my name is Jordan, and um, I did, never ever thought, and some people still don't believe, that I am a pastor, <laughs> and that God has called me to start a church in a city that I found myself living in as a kid, um, under circumstances that were difficult, and that God, I didn't know at the time when I was a boy, but was planting seeds in my heart to really care about this place, to care about Wyoming. And as I grew into adulthood, when I was adulting, I found myself moving back to Wyoming uh, because I wanted to be in a diverse place uh, and, and to neighbor people. And the idea of planting a church was kind of introduced to me about 10 years ago, and I've been like longing for what we're stepping into since that time. And if I can do something meaningful and purposeful with my life, and you will learn very quickly that I'm kind of insane, then I think God can use your life too. And that's not a backhanded way of calling you insane. You might be, but I don't know all of you. So, just kidding. Um, I, I was kind of raised as a leader at Fairhaven Church down the road. Um, love that place. Uh, they're a part of the family of churches that plant churches together called Harbor Churches. And uh, this is Ben right here. Ben, can you give Miss America style, though? We talked about this. There we go. Uh, ben, ben is the young adults guy at Fairhaven, and he helps with the shuttle that meets at Kirkhoff every Sunday at 1015. So if you ever want to Hitch a ride to Fairhaven. Ben has only flipped a couple of vans uh, on the way to and from there. And then this Sunday, you got a pancake breakfast, I believe. 10 yeah, and he's only food poisoned a couple people. So, I mean, you're, you're good to go. But yeah, 10 a.m., if you guys want to come for some free pancakes, you may. Okay, so um, I got to show you. Let's go to that next slide a minute. Um, this is my family, everybody. Uh, that is my wife and my son. My wife is the one on the right. Um, and that, that's my offspring in the middle. Um, his name is Offspring. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> offspring, Offspring. Yeah. Maybe I won't tell you his name and just keep you hanging. I don't know. Um, being a dad is... Lincoln, sorry. <laughs> uh, being a dad is incredible. Being a parent is incredible. So if you should find that the Lord gives you that opportunity, you... If you're in a place right now, this isn't even part of my thing, but I'm just going to tell you. If you are in a place where you're like, God's not that interesting, he is, and hopefully you discover that in whatever chapter of life you're in right now. But when you become a parent, holy mackerel, like you get this whole new mackerel, yeah, this, this whole new wave of perspective on God the Father, God the parent. So just a little thing. Someday, hopefully, if you are wanting to be a parent and God gives you that thing, then you will. So, okay, here we go. Um, let's just establish this real quick. So, me in front of a group of people or with myself alone somewhere is kind of like a plane that's in the air that's going like this, like straight down, nosedive, right? And then you have a moment where it's like, boom. Oh, that's interesting. And then you just keep going. Um, I'm hoping... I'm hoping that we don't crash and burn and hit the ground. Um, but, thank you. Um, so that's me. This is kind of just how I am. And I appreciate that you're laughing. Because if you were just sitting there, then this would really suck for me. Um, but, but so far, it does not. 
Um, so, back to what I was actually asked to talk about. Um, if you're new to the well, we've been on a journey this year so far of traveling through the Bible from like beginning to end. Like, what's the story that's told there, you know? And when I came to be a part of CM this year, I'm like, that's crazy, because that's like a lot, right? But hasn't it been incredible to, to just take it like step by step in the journey of all the way from God speaking the universe into existence to where we find ourselves today? And it's the journey of human history, and it's the journey of the God all around us and inside of us, and it's been so, so good. And I need to tell you this tangent, plane, dive, whatever, you have such a gift of campus ministries. I know you know that, but I just got to tell you it. Coming in this year as the new guy, like you have some of the most gifted leaders, some of the most gifted teachers, some of the most authentic, beautiful hearted people. And I just want to tell you that, that you have something special. And don't take that for granted. And Let's continue with my talk. Was that, is the plane going down or is it, I'm going to, oh, oh, good, it's going up. <laughs> okay, so um, as always, we do a recap video that kind of explains where we've been, uh, and so we're going to show you that right now. Um, so, just kidding, those, those videos get me every time. So, uh, we're going to be in Daniel, the book of Daniel today. Um, and I'm just going to start with the text uh, in Daniel chapter 6. And I always like to have the, word, the text up on the screen. Um, you can totally follow along in your Bibles or your apps or whatever you want. Um, but some people don't have either. So we're just going to put it up on the screens. And we will begin in 3, 2, 1. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says this. I hear flipping so I'm going to wait. So awkward. All right, now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. This is the word of the Lord. Daniel is in exile. Everything we've been talking about this year in CM leads us to this point. God was so patient with his people. He was a good father. And yet, like a good father, he needed to discipline his kids. And so they found themselves in exile. And did you know this? So this is, this is right uh, before Daniel goes into the lion's den. You know that uh, VeggieTales story? Um, Daniel was not a cucumber, um, and he was not a young boy. It's weird. Like we, we, when I think of that story, I usually think he's just this cute little guy like my offspring, but he, he was an 80-year-old man. He, he had been in exile in uh, Daniel 6 for like 66 years, so when he was thrown into that pit, he was like old, 80 years old. I can say that with confidence. But he found himself sitting at this window, that, that window, for the majority of his life. And he's in, this, the, in Babylon, 1,600 miles away from home, 
and he was kidnapped 66 years prior to, let's just pretend, this moment. He's in exile away from his country, away from his people, both of which lay in ruins. And in the Bible, exile is, it's, a, it's the human condition. We've, we find ourselves, and Israel finds themselves, in a place where they did not want to be because of a result of the brokenness and sin in the world and in their lives. So we find Daniel here at the window in a place he didn't want to be. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing. Like, we're invited to his safe place while he's in exile. He was kidnapped. And he's in a place he doesn't want to be. And he visits that window three times a day for 66 years, maybe even more. And it makes me think, like, what did he pray when he was at that window? Because remember, he was taken, and we haven't read it yet, I guess, but he was taken from his home 66 years ago and finds himself daily three times a day at this window. And I got to imagine as he goes to that window, which faces the city that he loves, the city of Jerusalem, that's a significant thing, where he visited every day three times that he would get to that window and remember. He used to have a happy life back there. He used to be whole. But his life changed. There's trauma in his past. I gotta imagine there's days when Daniel went to the window when he needed God to heal the memory and the result of his past. And as we'll read here in a minute, he also faced some big challenges, like today sort of challenges, you know, like things that he needed an answer from God, like right now. And Daniel is so inspiring because his confidence in the God of the past and the God of today gives him a faith that believes that he will be the same God tomorrow and that he will do as he's done before. So tonight, the question, the picture I want to invite you into is what, what's in your window? What's your exile? What's the place maybe you don't want to be? And what is in your window? So what I'm going to walk us through, actually, is Daniel, he prayed three times a day. So let's just pretend like those prayers had the themes of him praying for his past, him praying for God to meet him where he's at in the present moment, and him praying for hope for the future. So as we keep moving forward, I'm going to actually give you some space to go to your window and to go to your maker and to go to your God, to Yahweh, 
in prayer with those things. So, if you rewind back to chapter 1 in Daniel, he is a 15 or 16-year-old boy there, around the year 506 B.C., and we read these words in the, uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the first year of the reign of... I hate that. <laughs> when I have to name things I can't read. Um, I was homeschooled. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> um, I was homeschooled, so I'm just going to not... Try. <laughs> I can't read. Um, actually, I found out Noel is homeschooled too, right? It explains so much. Um, that went better the first service when it was more impromptu and not mean. Um, I love you so much. So let's get back to the word of God perhaps. Um, so I'm going to try the name, but if I keep botching it, then I'm just going to... I don't even know. We'll try. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah... Nebuchadnezzar, now here, I did say that right, um, and in the program notes from the program team, they like give us, uh, it's really sweet your process of like planning uh, the, the sermons here, but students are on a team that helps craft these messages, so cool, but one of them like abbreviated Nebuchadnezzar as Nebi, so like Nebi, um, I'm going to roll with that, okay, so King Nebi, or Nebi King, sorry, of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered that guy, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Besieged. So the, the city of Jerusalem was besieged, not just attacked, but besieged. And I'm not sure if you know what that word means, but it's not good. It's, a, it's like a hug, except violent and bloody and nothing like a hug. <laughs> uh, being besieged means being surrounded by armed forces to try and capture you or s force your surrender. So both the northern and the southern kingdoms were overtaken and the city of Jerusalem was being besieged. The story we've been on, the journey we've been on leads us to this point where there's like just that city left. And here is where we get to meet Daniel and his friends. Let's read chapter, or verse three. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, king of his court officials, to bring the king's service bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, uh, Tanner Rubin, just think Tanner Rubin, okay? Um, <laughs> young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, not Tanner Rubin, sorry. Um, <laughs> I owe apologies to two people thus far. Somebody keep track for me. Um, Showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. 
he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter into the king's service. Among those chosen were some from Judah. One of them, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azrael. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Daniel and his friends were kidnapped from their home and systematically enrolled in a systematic reorientation of who they are. They were given new names which represented something in association with the pagan gods and they were being stripped of their identity and groomed to fully embrace all the aspects of the Babylonian life most importantly by the shifting of their names that's why the name change is so significant the Babylonians were stripping them of their Hebrewness and if you can believe it Daniel and his friends being kidnapped they were actually kind of like the lucky ones because the ones that were left in Jerusalem during these besiegings were not strong enough to bring with. They were weak or sick and they were left there to, put, to be put into slave labor in vineyards in their own country in exile. It just really sucked. <laughs> And I got to imagine back to Daniel's window that he has some traumatic memory, either of what happened to his life or the pain in his past. And it's pretty beautiful to me to think about that window being the place that he would run to, to go pray to the God that he knows, the God that he met as a boy in the city of Jerusalem to which his windows faced. But I do imagine that Daniel came to that window probably on a daily basis with pain and trauma, maybe anger, things he can't get out of his head. Stuff from his past that was both terrible and that he longed to get back to. Because I think he was homesick too. So as we put ourselves in Daniel's shoes, I want you to take a moment to pray and to think about what from your past is in your window. You can take that whatever direction you want. What from your past is broken that haunts you? Or what from your past is beautiful and you wish you could get back to? So I wanna invite you for the next 30 seconds to just take a prayer, take a moment with God to ask those questions.
Amen. I didn't think to get a less awkward water bottle, but I really like it, so sorry. I'm such a confusing person. Ben knows me well, though, so at least he's laughing. So Daniel and his friends were given wisdom and abilities to interpret dreams and visions. They were as gorgeous as as Tana Rubin. And they were recruited or taken, kidnapped, because they had these abilities to offer to Babylon. They had the potential to be used and reoriented to the uses of a foreign king who worshipped a foreign god. And in Daniel chapter 2, he and his friends were faced with a test. The king of Babylon had had a vision. Nebi, our boy Nebi, was cray-cray. He had these dreams that freaked him out so much that he couldn't sleep. And... So he summoned and gathered all the magicians and enchanters and sorcerers, astrologers, all like the wise people that could tell him potentially what his dreams mean. And it troubled him so much that he gathered all of those people in Babylon. And then it says this. The king replied, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. So a fairly serious situation if you're those guys. You have a king that's having crazy dreams that wants you to essentially read his mind, which I think here I could insert some funny jokes about Valentine's Day and how relationships work and we try and make each other read each other's minds, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep moving on. So he's essentially saying, read my mind, right? He's asking them to do something impossible. And he was very angry. So when the king's guard was sent to bring this decree out to kill all of the wise men in Babylon, Daniel like intercedes because not only was the king going to kill all the other wise men, but he was just going to take out the Hebrews for good measure because he was not healthy. (laughs) But Daniel intervened and asked if he could meet with the king to have a shot at it. Not because he knew he had his own strength, but because he knew Yahweh, his God, would provide the answer that he needs. So after he saw the king, the king said, okay, I'll give you a little bit of time. He hadn't killed any of the other guys yet. It says this, so check this out. Uh, Then Daniel returned to his house. He went back to his window and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. 
Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. When Daniel was facing an impossible mystery, I love that language, mystery, he went back to his window. He went there with his friends and urged them to pray, and they pleaded together to their good father to reveal an answer to the mystery that they had. And God revealed it to him. Check this out. So Daniel goes back to the king after he gets the answer to his mystery, right? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Because nobody can read minds and know what you dreamt, right? But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. My friends, some of you are facing a mystery today, I think. Maybe there's something in your life that feels like it's about to take you out. Some of you are facing some things, some mysteries in your life that you desperately need God to answer. Some of us are searching for an answer that we need right now. And what excites me is that we believe and know the same God that Daniel did. We believe and know the God who reveals mysteries. Even mysteries in high stakes situations like he's going to be cut to pieces. And none of us are probably facing something like that. But some of us are facing some really hard stuff. And I want to believe with you that if we go to prayer, if we go to our window, if you go to your window, if you go to the one who reveals mysteries, that he's going to give you the answer or the contentment to see you through today. So the question I want you to bring before your maker today is, what mystery are you facing today? So take a minute to pray. So between chapters 2 and 3 of Daniel, there was a 19-year gap, 19-year space. And within that time, 
something devastating happened. Obviously, this is all a terrible chapter uh, in the story of God's people. But in the year uh, 586, the the temple uh, in Jerusalem was destroyed. And this this was the dwelling place of God, right? This was a big deal to those people for the house of God to be destroyed. And now it laid in ruin. And the articles from the temple were were brought back to be mixed up in the shrine of the temples of the gods of Babylon. And the same king, King Nebi, who threatened to cut Daniel and his friends to pieces was the same one who destroyed that temple. And in chapter 3, it's in 586 or 585 BC, so it's like the year after he destroyed this temple. And it almost seems like King Nebuchadnezzar returns home from destroying this sacred temple of God. And he builds like a victory 90 foot tall celebratory idol in Babylon almost as like a celebration of what he had just destroyed. But he has dominion, not the God of Israel. And this is when Daniel's three, three friends were put to the test again. It says this in Daniel 3, uh, verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace. Daniel and his friends were in exile. But Daniel's friends refused to bow down to this golden calf. You might know this story. They knew the cost and danger of not bowing down to this thing. So they said this to the king in response to that pronouncement. Next, thank you. They said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. That is the dopest thing I've ever heard. And they're cocky about it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I really want to be like these guys. I really want that kind of faith. They found themselves in exile in a place they did not want to be, but somehow they still had this confidence from the past and the present God who has revealed mysteries to them that even if they're thrown into a a fiery furnace, that God will deliver them from it. They were confident that Yahweh would be with them in the future, even as they were in this exile. They found hope in that because they knew the God of Israel is a delivery, a deliverer. 
It's what he's been before, and it's what he'll be again. They remembered stories of God's deliverance from the people coming out of Israel, or out of Egypt, and into the promised land. They remember him revealing those mysteries so they're not cut into pieces in a moment of time. And there they stood in confidence that God's deliverance would be sure to find them in the future. And then something amazing happened. You may have heard this story, but it's incredible. They were forced into the fire, but then we read this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his crazy feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. There was a fourth person in the fire. There was a deliverer in the fire with them. The one who they served was able to deliver them. They believed it, and he did. You might find yourself in an exile today. You, you, you might find your life in a place that you do not want to be right now. Your past may be filled with a crazy mess that you don't even want to say out loud. You might be facing mysteries right now that you have no idea of how you're going to solve. But I want to invite you back to the window to pray to the one who stands outside of time, to the one who has delivered before for generations. I want to invite you back to the window to pray to the one who met them in the flames that day, to the deliverer, to the one who has delivered before and will deliver again. This is a crazy time in your life. It's such a beautiful time because you don't know where your life is going to go right now. And you have some decisions to make. That's what makes it so stressful, right? Is decisions to make that can start to chart the course of your life. And maybe you don't know what your major is going to be and you've switched it five times and you feel stupid because of it. Maybe you failed that class and you don't think that you can continue. Maybe you don't know where you'll work in the future. Maybe you don't know who you'll marry or if you'll marry or if you'll ever find love. Maybe the future freaks you out. But Daniel went to that window in confidence Those three were thrown into that fire in confidence. And so many other beautiful stories in the word of God where people were put to the test. And the God who has been faithful before, who is faithful today, will be faithful tomorrow. He's in the business of delivering. So I want to invite you right now to one more prayer.
as you look to the future, what gives you hope? What about God gives you hope? What from your past or from this moment right now gives you hope that he will be with you in the flames? That he will see you through this challenge? That you're not going to get cut up? That he's good? Don't you want to have that kind of confidence? Even if he does not deliver us, what the heck is that? Because they knew, whether it's in this life or beyond the grave, we serve a God that stands outside of time. And if we're to fast forward this story, Jesus is going to come back and make all things new. He's going to deliver the universe from the decay and destruction and sin and pain that we have. He's in control of everything, including your life. So what inspires hope for you? And if you don't know, I want to invite you to pray for it. Because hope can come from a million different places. We serve a God that's in every atom, in every shadow, in every corner, in everything big and small. He can hit you upside the head with something that inspires you for the rest of your life. So why don't you take this moment, if you're afraid, and you don't like where your life is going, and you don't like where you've been, and maybe you don't like where you are, look to your maker, the one who created you, the one who has your life in his hands. He has delivered before, and he can do it again. So I invite you to take a minute to pray.